0: As you get settled, you can turn with me to uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. That's going to be our starting point this morning. The title of my message this morning is Outflow and the Power of Our Story. When I think about outflow, I'm I'm thinking about it in three specific ways. Uh, First is that outflow is God pouring out on us so we can pour into others. I think we got a little taste of that this morning, the Holy Spirit filling us up, pouring His water into some of those dry places, maybe those cracks that needed to be filled in and causing us to be refreshed. Another aspect of outflow is the idea of sharing our story of how God has changed our lives. And the third aspect is outflow is God's design to touch the world and change our cities I had you turn to Mark chapter 5 because we're going to start with this story about an unfortunate man who's in a very difficult situation in that he was beset and in bondage to many, many spirits. And we're going to talk about his story, but I just want to read the the last verse and the conclusion to the story in verse 20. And he, referring to the demoniac, went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis What great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. So Father, thank you for pouring out your spirit. Thank you, Father God, for heaven touching earth. Thank you for breaking down walls, Father God, that keep us from the blessing of God. This morning, as we look into your word, would you just continue to flow? Would you continue to be in our midst, anoint our time together, God, as we just humble ourselves before your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning I wanna talk about the power of your story, the power of what God has done for your life, and I wanna connect it to the idea of God's love for cities. When God thinks about touching the nations, as he said in the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, he thinks about achieving that task by touching cities. Cities are what make up nations, whether it's from the Garden of Eden to Babylon, or the New Jerusalem and Revelations, God is all about cities and reaching the people that are in them. As you know, if you look back over the history of man, in the last 20 years, we have crossed over into an inflection point that's never happened before, in that more than 50% of the population now live in urban cities. And so nations are planning and contending and and thinking about how do we create an appropriate lifestyle for this urbanism that's come into the earth. And God knew that this would happen. And so he's a God of the cities because when you reach the cities, you reach the nations. Now, as I mentioned earlier, when God poured out at Pentecost, there was a powerful effect of the Holy Spirit. And what was it that the Holy Spirit did? He flowed into them and out of them, and it rocked the city of Jerusalem. Again, we see God's target he cities. So God thinks in terms of cities, that's his heart, that the multitudes would come to him. And then how does he actually reach cities? That's through you and me and the power of our story, how God has transformed our lives. Now in this story of the demoniac, this was a man that was living in terrible darkness and duress. And then we see that Jesus frees him from all the spirits that are in him. In fact, he has so many spirits, they are called legion. Now maybe you recall the story of Mary, and the Bible says that she had seven spirits that were cast out of her. Seven's a lot. But this man didn't have seven, he had a legion. It was so many that it took a herd of 2,000 pigs to contain them all. Now, we're not going to read everything about this. I've just highlighted some of the sections I'm going to bring out. But Jesus comes upon this scene. This man is in the city of Gadarene, and this man is in the tomb, and he is making all these noises. And as he approaches this man, the spirit starts speaking to Jesus. They're deathly afraid of Jesus' authority. They're deathly afraid that they're going to be cast out of this man, and their home is going to be gone. And there's this weird negotiation that goes on between the spirits, whom is called Legion, even though there's 2,000 of them or more. They have a singular name, and they're negotiating with Jesus, like, don't send us out of the country. And so Jesus says, okay, that herd of pigs that are on the side, you can depart into them. And so Jesus commands them to come out. They go into these pigs, all 2,000 of them. And you step back and you think, this is insane, to think that that many spirits could be in one man. But it tells you the incredible capacity of the human soul. When God breathed this breath into Adam, when he created and fashioned you and me, he created us to be the home of God. He created us to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. He created us so that we could have this unbelievable, without boundaries relationship with God. The enemy tries to come in and fill those spaces, to the point of even thousands of spirits. But of course, when we get free, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in, and that's a picture of just the glory and the breadth of who God is when he takes residence into our lives. Of course, it's a terrible thing to think about that many spirits in one person, but the Bible has never been shy about our human condition. It's the most realistic book around. Nevertheless, praise God, the man gets gloriously delivered, And as he does, the Bible says that he sits completely in his right mind. Verse 15. Observe the man who is demon-possessed clothed in his right mind, the very man who had been called Legion. Can you imagine what this man was feeling after being released from all that bondage? What kind of joy was running through his heart? He was bound, and now he is free. And by the way, If God can deliver a man with 2,000 spirits, do you think he can release you from some of your anxiety? Do you think he can relieve you from some of the pressure and the heaviness that's on your life? Absolutely. There is nothing that the name of Jesus cannot have dominion over. So he was bound, now he's free. And verse 18 says that he was so grateful that he said... Jesus, can I please go with you wherever you go? He might accompany him. Jesus says to him, no, there's something better for you to do. Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. No, I don't want you to travel with me. Rather, I want you to go back to your own people and tell them what I've done for you. And this is where our testimony comes in. Can you imagine what, made, what this man's story was like? I was bound, but now I'm free. I used to live among the tombs in darkness, living among the dead. This is such a sad picture, a person who's literally living in a cemetery. The Bible says he was so tormented that he was crying out and gashing himself and bruising himself with stones. He was so strong, so empowered demonically by these spirits that he could break off chains that people would put on him in order to try to control him. You can just hear him saying, I didn't eat or sleep except out of exhaustion. I was just skin and bones and barely clothed. But now I'm free and now I'm healed. Jesus has done it and my mind is completely made whole. And the Bible says that he went about just as Jesus told him and he told his family and his people, those in his city and even the region that he lived in. So the city that he lived in was called Gadara and the region that he lived in was Decapolis. He was so excited, so joy-filled, he shared his story wherever he went. And the Bible says, when people heard, everyone marveled. This is how God reaches cities and towns, through you and me and our story. We all have a story. We all have a sermon living inside of us. We may not be able to get up behind a pulpit and preach, but that doesn't matter, because you only need one sermon. And that's how God changed your life. It's on call 24/7. you never have to rehearse it. You never have to worry about being at a loss for words because it's your story. You can make it long or short or medium, but it's your message. And that's all God needs to transform a city. Hundreds and thousands of joy-filled Christians sharing how God changed their lives. This is a grassroots movement. It's a distributed movement. It's a sharing movement. It's a cul de sac movement. It's a movement of cubicle to cubicle. Office to office, it's a one to one movement. It's a story of heaven touching cities through you. In Tokyo last week, and by the way, thank you so much for your prayers. Mimi and I had a, just a wonderful time of ministry. We ministered to over 30 people. Last Friday, we had a leadership conference on Saturday. I preached twice on Sunday. Many people got touched and saved, and I didn't have any health incident this time. So that's an answer to your prayers. No kidney stones, no vertigo, just good old traveling like it should be. But in Tokyo last week, I was really moved by a story of one of the key church leaders there. And she shared how when she was growing up, she grew up in a privileged family And as a result, her family knew many of the top business people in the city. And being from a family of affluence, she was sent to an international school instead of going to a regular Japanese school. And as a result, got to know the kids of many famous CEOs. She grew up as a Catholic, was baptized as a young girl, but did not have a personal relationship with Jesus. It wasn't until she went to the States for university that she was told about being born again and having a relationship with God. And as she was sharing this story with us, she said that God spoke to her before she got saved. And when she heard the voice of God, it was like the voice of many waters. And when I heard that, I, I, my ears immediately perked up because this is a very famous phrase in the Bible. It describes the voice of God. In Revelation 1.15, it says that Jesus' voice was like the sound of many waters. I've never met anyone who heard God's, who's heard God's voice that way so I said you actually heard it she said yeah I said well what did it sound like she said it's hard to describe she said but the best way I can describe it is God was like speaking from the bottom of the ocean and I was like wow what a great description just the sound of his voice vibrating through the waters as deep as the ocean and you hear him speaking she said the voice was just like what Ezekiel described in chapter 43, verse 2. Well, as a result of that voice speaking to her, her, soon after she gave her life to Jesus, and then God appeared to her in a dream. And in the dream, God gave her a very specific thing to do. He said, turn to page 1152 in your Bible and find the name Andreas. So when she woke up, she turned to that page in her Bible as directed, but there was no Andreas. So being confused and perplexed, she shared the dream with her Indonesian friends that had led her to Christ. As it turned out, when they turned to 1152 in their Indonesian Bible, there was Andreas right there in Mark chapter 1. It was the story about how Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. And of the three gospels that records this story, only Mark's version contains the name Andreas. So our friend realized that God was supernaturally speaking to her and in the same way that he called out Andrew in this only version of the story, he was calling her out to serve him. I was just so touched and it just began to refresh me once again, the power of our story. She shared another story of a friend that came to Christ because he got arrested and put in jail. Turns out the man wasn't a criminal, but he had inherited his his mom's restaurant business And she had hired workers without visas to work in Japan. So these were illegal aliens. Now some competitors to their business knew about it and told the police to investigate these workers as a way to undermine their business. So the police came and arrested this man at his house and took him away handcuffed to jail. But he didn't even know about it because the business had just been handed over to him by his mom. Uh, Eventually, he was released from jail after proving his innocence, but the damage was done, the restaurant went out of business, and he was out of a job. This was devastating because he was a middle-aged man, and getting a job in Japan as a middle-aged person is very hard to do. He was invited to a church meeting during this time of being distraught, and a word was given to him about his situation, and God describing to him what he had gone through, and the feelings that he had of distress around this whole thing. And in that word, God said that there would be a new beginning for him. And that's exactly what happened. Soon after that, he got a job as an executive of a growing company. And so in a matter of months, he went from a bankrupt restaurant owner to wearing suits and flying internationally as a businessman. Guess what happened after that? He gave his life to Jesus. God is so good. God has changed my life. Here I was in the the valley without a job, without a career. What am I going to do? The creditors are at the door. My restaurant went out of business. And then God speaks a word to him. And then God gives him a promise and turns his life around. And you can be sure that there was such a sense of hopefulness and excitement because of what God was doing. And as a result, he yields his life to God. Now, Revelations 19.10, the scripture says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Every time we tell our story, every time we share a testimony of how God saved us, we're moving as God's prophets. As you know, we had a whole conference about prophetic ministry, but this is about being prophetic in a completely different way. When we share our story, we are all prophets. We are all declaring and prophesying the goodness, the mercy of God and the salvation of God in our lives. Storytellers are God's prophetic army. That's the power of the word in your mouth and my mouth. And we must share our story freely and regularly. This is outflow. God is poured into us so we can pour into others. We must not be shy or timid. In fact, as I was praying over this message, I just sensed that several, if not many of us, in the next 30 days will have an opportunity to share your testimony of how God changed your life. When that door opens, go for it. Don't be shy about it. Don't shy away from it. Be strong and be bold. Share your story. It's part of God's plan to win the city. When Jesus went to a city called Nain, in Luke chapter 7, the Bible says that there was a funeral procession as he approached the city. Turns out there was a widow that had just lost her son. And there was a sizable crowd that was following this widow. And Jesus was coming upon this city, and he, as he saw the widow's grief, he was moved with compassion. And in verse 13, he told the widow, do not weep. Jesus then stops the entire procession, touches the coffin, and says, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother, and fear gripped them all. They began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report concerning him went out over all Jordan and in all the surrounding districts. Can you imagine the scene? Pandemonium at the city gates. The hugging and the tears of joy and amazement. People just left without words for what they had just seen and experienced. And it wasn't even planned by Jesus. Just moved by the compassion of God. The Holy Spirit saying, do this. And you got this incredible scene right there in the city. But imagine the testimonies of the widow and imagine the testimony of this young man that was raised from the dead. What did that dead man say? What was it like to be raised from the dead? If he was living in our modern day of TV broadcast, there would be reporters swarming him and asking him, what was it like? What did the widow say? She had lost her only son. She had already lost her husband and now tragedy struck again. Only for Jesus to appear and to do a miracle. Can you imagine their stories? Can you imagine the irrepressible spirit that they now possessed? For the young man, I was literally dead, but Jesus raised me up. And for the widow, without support, without conversation, without family, not knowing what her future would look like, it all came back to her in just a moment's time. Their story changed the city change the surrounding areas. This is the power of what our story can do. Now our story may not be as dramatic as this, but it's no less powerful. And we must still be faithful to share it because every God's story is a powerful story, no matter how he writes it. In John chapter one, we have one of those quiet stories. And this is about a man by the name of Andrew. Same guy that was in the dream that our Japanese lady friend had. And Andrew was a God-fearing man. He was spiritually sensitive. And turns out he was one of John the Baptist's disciples. So Andrew was already drawn to God. He already had this desire inside of him to walk with God. And when John the Baptist came upon the country and revival began breaking out, John brought him into his circle and began to mentor him. So Andrew was part of this leadership team. Andrew, however, had a brother who was far away from God and had no interest in faith. So one day while John the Baptist was with Andrew and his other disciples, they see Jesus walking by. And John says of Jesus, that's the Lamb of God. What a moment to see Jesus physically walking by him to be able to announce that's the Lamb of God. So Andrew and another disciple are there, and John the Baptist says to them, you need to follow him now. Leave me and go to him. This is the first time that Andrew sees Jesus, and just visually seeing the Son of God, something happens to him. Something happens to him. His heart just begins to explode with understanding and this this deep sense of, I've been looking for God and now here he is. And so the first thing that he does in verse 41, he he says to his brother, we have found the Messiah. And who was Andrew's brother? Peter, who would later become one of the great apostles and leaders in the church. Now think about that's just crazy. Andrew's testimony wasn't some wild, crazy thing. All it was was, we've seen the Savior, come and see him. Andrew was already a God-fearing dude. He wasn't a massive sinner. He didn't have this crazy turnaround story. He grew up in a Christian environment, but he had a story. We've seen Jesus, come and see him. That's as quiet a story as you can get. But Andrew's testimony resulted in a great apostle being found. You have no idea what your testimony will do. You may be sharing with the next Billy Graham or the next Mother Teresa or someone who will become a pastor or missionary or a mom that just needs a word of encouragement that's going to raise kids that will become a great businessman or philanthropist. It matters not what they will become. That's up to God. What matters is that we're faithful to share. We need to flow out. This is how God changes cities and the people around you and me. In 1 Kings chapter 10, there's another story about a lady called the Queen of Sheba. And maybe your testimony is like the Queen of Sheba. She heard about King Solomon's wisdom, and she was so curious about the reports that she had to go check it out herself. Now, we know that Solomon was endowed with the greatest wisdom that man had, that of any man. And reports began to go out into other nations about the mighty insight and understanding that God had given him. And so there's this queen that's, that's heard this report. And she is so curious. She's a curious Georgette. And she goes, I got to go and just find out whether all these things are true. And so I, I just love the description because she comes and she's just full of questions. Just. She's, just, she's got a list of things, and some of them are really hard, and some of them are very difficult. And so in verse 3 of chapter 10, it says, As Solomon answered all her questions, nothing was hidden from the kind I'm sorry, nothing was hidden from the king, which he did not explain to her. And so when she got all her questions answered, the Bible goes on to say, When the queen of Sheba perceived all the wisdom of Solomon, The house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his waiters and their attire, his cupbearers and his stairways by which he went up to the house of the Lord. Just the staircase. I don't know. My mind kind of goes to Gone with the Wind and Rhett Butler coming in and just this massive, beautiful staircase you know, made of ivory and and all this stuff, but King Solomon's staircase was even grander and bigger. And so she sees all of this stuff, and she's the glory of the king with his wisdom, and it says there was no more spirit in her. Basically, she fainted. She couldn't believe all the reports were true, but in fact, it was better than the reports she heard. Because in verse 7, it says, she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. Nevertheless, I did not believe the reports. I don't believe what you're saying about Jesus. I don't believe that everything that you've mentioned to me can actually happen. I know what my life is like it's hard, it's bitter, it's difficult. I have to earn my every dollar. I've never been given a free ride in life. And you're telling me that there's a God that's gracious and loving and caring, and he is for me and not against me? And so we have a world out there that's unbelieving and cynical and sarcastic. They can't believe that we have a God that loves and cares the way that we describe it to them. That's a stronghold. That's a giant in the land. We have cities that are so bound by cynicism and unbelief, And it takes the Spirit of God, it takes the anointing to break the yoke. And that anointing comes through you. That anointing comes through your life because the anointing has broken the yoke in your life. And so when you speak, you're speaking life because you've actually experienced it. It's not just a concept. It's not just an intellectual thing that you've learned. You've actually lived it and it's real. And so whether you say it softly or whether you say it loudly, there is power in your words. So this queen, she faints for seeing what Solomon had. And she said, half of what what you have was not even told to me. You exceed in wisdom and prosperity the report which I heard. This is what happens when we encounter God. This is why I love coming to church. This is why I love... Being with the saints, eating with them, and going to Bible studies. Because there's always something more to learn about God. You never get to the end point of God. You never say, I've mastered it. Or I've learned it all. No. We will continue to experience and understand and know the glory of God forever and ever. It gets better and better and better. That's why the angels, when they say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, they're not robots on autoplay. Every time they see God, they see something new. And every time they say, holy, 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 it's because there's a new insight and revelation. And so if you're experiencing stagnation and dryness in your walk, open up your eyes, open up your eyes, because there's something to see about Jesus that you haven't seen before. You need to pray against the enemy. You need to pray against the things that are obscuring your view of Jesus. Andrew looked at Jesus once. When John the Baptist said, there's a lamb of God, and he was completely undone and revolutionized. So he goes to his brother and says, you got to come and see this, dude. It's so simple. You know, we're a people of seeing. God created us with not only just physical, optical capacity, but also to see things in the spirit. The Bible says the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the world. Why? Because if he can blind us, then we can't see. And if we can't see, then we cannot be touched. And if we're not touched, then we cannot be saved. But if we will pray for our eyes to be opened, what's the great apostolic prayer? That the eyes of our heart would be open to see the revelation of Jesus. We need our eyes to be opened. And when we see, everything changes. I can look at a postcard of the Swiss Alps I can look at a postcard of Whistler, but it's completely different when you're there. Oh my goodness, it's incredible. The picture doesn't even come close to the immersive experience of being there. Maybe you're like the Queen of Sheba and you have all sorts of questions, things that you need to talk through. Maybe you have a powerful intellect that requires a good answer. It's all good. There's nothing that Jesus is going to be afraid of. It's like, oh, that's a tough question. I'll get back to you on that one. Or that's very sophisticated. I never thought about that before. I'm just a humble carpenter. I've never thought about that. None of that. There is no argument. There is no conversation. There is no construct that will confuse God in any way. And let me tell you, there is a lot of sophisticated discussions going out there in the public square that are trying to bring down Jesus, trying to bring down the truth, assaulting and hostile to the gospel. But that's why we're here as a church, because nothing can overcome the gospel. I don't care what kind of strongholds there are in Copenhagen, in New York, in Chicago, in Toronto, or in Vancouver, the gospel will always prevail. You have to have that confidence. And if you don't have the answer on the spot, it doesn't matter. Just say, you know what? Come study the Bible with me. God is amazing and beautiful and full of wisdom, just like the queen discovered in King Solomon. Now, can you imagine the testimony of the queen when she went back to her country? The report of God that she was able to give. She impacted her people. This Hebrew king, he was amazing. You think you've seen just grandeur in my palace His palace was 10 times better. You should see the robes that they wore just as they served tea and coffee. She impacted her royal city. She impacted her country. Power of one story. Power of one testimony. We get touched and we turn around and we touch others. That's outflow. There's so many examples of what our God story does. But let me turn the corner here and talk about John chapter 4. It's a well-known story. Many of us know about the woman at the well. And after the Samaritan woman had her encounter with Jesus, as we know, it was unusual for a Jewish man to talk to a woman and for a Jewish person to talk to Samaritans that were considered unclean. Short history lesson. Samaritans was a blended race between Jewish and Babylonians. So when the Jews were deported to Babylon and Babylon kept their rule over Palestine, it was populated with people from a pagan country. And so there's intermarrying that was going on and there was, in that sense, contamination that came into the race. And so this blended mongrel race was known as the Samaritans. So they were second-class citizens. They were always looked down. And so for a Jew to talk to a Samaritan and for a man to talk to a woman, that was like a double take. And yet that's what Jesus did. Only to find that Jesus was not only just being courteous to her, he actually cared. And not only did he care, he made her feel safe. I'm going to say this again. One of the things that God is doing right now in the earth is in the area of cleansing. He's coming to protect women. He is coming to say, I am on your side. Men are so programmed in their Adamic nature to take advantage of women and to make them feel unsafe and to use them. But Jesus made this woman feel safe. They have this conversation. Holy Spirit speaks through Jesus sees that she's in all these dysfunctional relationships. This is a woman that's yearning for love, and she will throw herself at any man that shows any kind of interest in her, so much so that she's gone through five husbands. And of course, those husbands could never satisfy her desire for love. She will burn through every single one of those men until she finds true love. And here, as she's just giving a cup of water to Jesus, something inside her goes, this man's different. He doesn't want just want my body. He doesn't want to just take advantage of me. He doesn't want to just use me. He doesn't want just companionship for a little while. Something is different about him. And so when Jesus reveals supernaturally all these relationships that she has, she just goes bonkers. She goes, wait a minute. We're having a religious experience right now. We're, We're like by a well. We're not even in church. We're not in a synagogue. We're not even in the holy city of Jerusalem. And Jesus is giving her a taste of the new covenant before he even went to the cross. This is the new covenant. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, God can move any time, any place. It doesn't have to be within these walls. It can be out there across the street or in your office place. Those who worship God worship him in spirit and in truth. It's not limited by physical buildings or walls. So she is deeply touched, deeply, deeply touched. In verse 28, it says, the woman left her water pot, went into the city, said to the men, isn't it interesting? She didn't go to her female friend, she went to the men. That's whom her friend group was. She just knew the men, unfortunately. Said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I've done. This is not the Christ, is he? Actually, Jesus didn't tell her everything that she had done. He just went right to the heart. You know, when we have prophetic ministry and God speaks these little details, it makes you feel so known, so understood, and and that God cares. And so she was exaggerating what actually Jesus said, but she was not exaggerating the feeling. God knows me, everything about me. So she testifies to these men and these men listen to her. Miracle. Verse 30, they went out of the city and were coming to Jesus. On the strength of this woman's testimony, the men of the city pour out of the gates and they go to Jesus at this watering hole. Revival is breaking out. And then Jesus begins to talk with them. And they, they say, you know what? Please stay with us. It's hard to get Jesus to, to, to stay someplace. But the Bible says that he stayed two more days by teaching and preaching and fellowship with them and, and having meals. And then verse 39 says, From that city many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word the woman who testified, he told me all things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with him. And he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, It's no longer because of what you have said that we believe. For we have heard ourselves and know this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Wow. The chain reaction. The domino effect. You don't know what the power of your story will do, how it will trigger maybe a people group, how maybe one person that you speak to gets touched and they share with their family and their family shares it with their family. We don't know. Whole city got saved because of one woman. And beloved, this is the simple but genius plan of God for our city. It's not necessary to hold a crusade. It's not necessary to rent out BC Place. Praise God if it happens. He doesn't need crusade to reach the city. He just needs you and me. One story, one testimony at a time. Our part is to be the storytellers. To not be timid or to be shy. You've already got the best sermon written on your heart. This is the outflow that God wants us to have. To not step back. From the story that God has given us, but to be free in sharing that. We are blessed to be a blessing. Father, we look to you right now. I thank you for every story, God, that's in this room. Hundreds of stories of how you have touched and changed their lives. And God, that is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You have raised up already a prophetic army in this church and that church and the one across the street. And each of us, Father God, whether it's like the woman at the well, whether it's like the widow at Nain, whether it's like Andrew, whether it's like the demoniac, we all have a story. And who knows, God, the avalanche that will be triggered when we just are faithful to tell others about what you have done. I thank you, God, for the open doors that are coming to various ones in our church in this next 30 days. When that happens, Holy Spirit, just fall on them and let your anointing fill and touch them in a fresh way. Let a boldness come upon them. Let there be, Father God, receptive hearts. And let this be our lifestyle and a habit, God, where we flow out because you have flowed into us. Let your joy, let your blessing, let your peace, and let your confidence, God, be upon us in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.